This episode of Control-Alt-Delete is supported by City Cards with Android Pay. Listening on your phone? Now you can pay while you listen, using the same device. Just tap and go. Download the Android Pay app on Google Play or visit city.com slash Android Pay to get started. Android Pay is available for eligible city, consumer, credit, and debit cards. Hello, and welcome to Control-Alt-Delete, a standards-compliant podcast from TheVerge.com. <laughs> that one comes to us from Alex Shinoy on Twitter, uh, S-H-E-N-O-Y on Twitter. Follow him, say thank you. We love your intros, keep sending them to us. Anyhow, I am Neil Patel, I'm the editor-in-chief of The Verge. I'm joined, as always, by my friend, Verge executive editor, Recode editor-at-large, Walt Mossberg. How's it going, Walt? I'm smooth today. I'm smooth, <laughs> Neil. It's going so, smooth. So while I'm just gonna say this is gonna be maybe the most fired up episode we've had in well in one ever. of us is gonna be fired up one <laughs> Walt, of us and Walt will Walt will deal with it Walt wrote about I'll let Walt introduce the column but just to set the stage Walt wrote about TVs there's nothing I love more than nerdy TV talk uh, and last night. Walt tweeted this. We basically broke the comment <laughs> function of Google Docs arguing about motion smoothing. Honest to God, I think there were 22 back and forth comments <laughs> on like one sentence or one paragraph in the column. <laughs> and people should know, I, I just want to say this for now and other podcasts, this is a very friendly collaborative ad- editing process <laughs> that we have. And, uh, you know, if you're a journalist and you're listening to this, and even if you're not, you should know, having a very good editor is a very good thing for a journalist. And, um, you know, I don't have to – I'm never made to say anything I don't want to say, but Neelai has some good ideas once in a while. And it's a, it's, it's a very healthy back and forth. It was just – to me, the – and by the way, having a great writer is, like, good for an editor. Um, <laughs> but it was just amazing because Slack was the next window over – and for whatever reason, we decided to argue it out <laughs> in Google Doc comments. It's <laughs> the way these things work sometimes. Anyway, Walt had a great TV, a Pioneer Elite Plasma, a TV that I mine is not broken. I still have a Pioneer Plasma. It's great. But yours broke, and you went out to buy a new TV and wrote about that. So tell us a little bit about that, and we're, we're going to get into the, the controversy at the heart of the column. Yeah, it's it's not the controversy heart <laughs> of the column. It's the controversy that in your head. It's the most important issue in tech no, today. No, it, it is not. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can't even decide what the most important one is because you have a whole hundred tweets about you know Google AMP web pages, which is a diff- we could talk about that. You could do but that's that all a different night. thing. Uh, so uh, here's what happened. My, I had this wonderful TV called the. Pioneer Elite. It's a plasma TV. It was one of the. It was. It was at the time, which was around when I bought it, which was around 2006. Uh, widely regarded as the best HD TV. There were obviously, as there always are, people who have different opinions, but there were lots of people who advised me to buy, it, including, by the way, Steve Jobs. So, uh, who whose way of recommending something was to say, you cannot buy anything else, you have to buy this, you know, kind of thing. Uh, But luckily, other people also gave me the same advice in somewhat less insistent terms. Um, And it's been a great TV, but it broke. And so we went TV shopping. My uh, son and I, I have a grown son, and he and I went, he was visiting, and we went TV shopping at Best Buy. But before I did that, I, I asked... Colleagues at The Verge using Slack and also uh, my friends on Facebook, uh, what they recommended, what did they like? And the reason I had to ask that, because I am a tech reviewer, I know a lot about tech products, new tech products, is the one hole, the one area I don't care about is big screen TVs. Uh, I have gone to CES for 24 or 25 years, CES or Comdex uh, before it. And looked at these giant walls of TVs and felt like I couldn't tell the difference and felt there was a lot of gimmicks and there was a lot of goofy marketing terminology. And so it just all looked – it just seemed yeah. to me to be pretty much pretty much the same. So I asked and uh, people um, said roughly this. I'm paraphrasing because there were a lot of voices. But 
some people said, I love this Sony, and they would give me a link to a particular model. I love this Samsung. People recommended Vizio, not only for quality, but for very good prices. But in both places, both Facebook and on the Verge Slack, uh, people said, of course, if you can afford it or want to pay the money, you can't do – nothing touches the LG OLED line. Yeah. And so I went to the store. I uh, looked at the different TVs and I, lo and behold, discovered that to my eye, the LG OLED was certainly a cut above. And even though it costs more money, uh, I bought it. I bought a 55-inch one and brought it home. And that's what I wrote the column about. But you, you're, the, and to be clear, the column is Walt bought arguably the best TV available. They're very expensive. OLED TVs are expensive. This is one everyone says looks the best. But the column is it's really hard to buy a TV. It's hard to understand what the hell you're buying. And then almost every TV, even ones that are lauded for their ease of use, are impo- they're, they're still just kind of impossible to use. Right. I actually recycled for maybe the first time uh, the first sentence of my first column uh, in 1991 where I said, you know, personal computers are too hard to use and it's not your fault, uh, uh, which was kind of guilt relief. <laughs> and, and that was the headline here. TVs are too hard to use and it's not your fault. That was the headline we used. And um, they are. I mean, they're, it's ridiculous. Putting aside the issues of the picture and, and uh, uh, the picture quality on this is really quite wonderful. Your ability to set it up, your ability to tweak it, your ability to use its ridiculous number of features that are now in TVs is, you know, it's horrible. I mean, this is the kind of user interface which if presented to a a user interface expert, somebody who's labored for decades on uh, PCs or Macs or iPhones or Android phones or, you know, any of the devices we use all around us, they would, they would say this is ridiculous. This is they would reject it. It's, yeah, it's awful. It's just endless. Now you know, and the and the interesting thing, somebody tweeted this to me just like an hour or two ago. The interesting thing about this is, and Twitter, my Twitter feed is full of people saying this is true and complaining about theirs and all that. But one guy said to me, "You know that the LG one you have." Uh, is widely considered to have the best UI. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the sad thing. I mean, they actually went and bought or licensed uh, WebOS, which was a really elegant UI on phones, which Palm invented. And they added to it a cartoon bird called Bean Bird. That Bean kind Bird. Of, kind of guides you through the setup, but then goes, then. It doesn't entirely go away, but doesn't isn't intrusive. It's like it's not like a bird is flying across your TV <laughs> at random moments. Bird was the hit of CES 2014, by the way. 2014, yeah, I know, and I, I, I remember being briefed at the time. So, but that's just a very basic setup that doesn't really get you to the many, many, many features. Like there's a feature that zooms in on things. There's an entire web browser hidden in there. <laughs> Why? I have no idea. We should also uh, point out LG has uh, this the Magic Remote, which is the a The Magic name, Remote, Which yeah. is basically, it kind of looks like a Wii controller, like the joystick Wii controller. And it's yeah. motion sensing. It has a joystick. It, it, it's basically a mouse for your screen. So yeah. here's, here's my thing about TVs. Not only do you have the TV, and they're basically computers now. If you buy it, if you yeah. buy a high-end smart TV and they're all... They're all smart TVs now in one way or another. They have this one runs a full-on operating system that used to run phones. Um, Samsung's TVs run Tizen. They run apps. So you got Netflix and Hulu and Amazon. They're all built in there. Right. There's a web browser, for God's sake. There's an app Uh, store. There's There's an an app app store. store. It's every idea that we've had on phones about the operating system of a phone and how it should work is been moved to this larger screen environment where it almost always falls down and the things that you commonly want to do are made harder to do because a it's a computer and it's usually a slow computer and it gets slow over time because you just leave a a tv sitting there and b the people who are good at designing interfaces tend to work on phones and apps 
not in the t- TV divisions of these companies. So Samsung's smartphone team has very little to do with their TV team. LG's smartphone team has very little to do with their TV team. And it shows all the time. It shows. Uh, so WebOS on an LG TV, just go look at some screenshots of how bonkers it is. It's like row a row of diagonal brightly colored stripes that indicate apps there's cards there's a million interface ideas here when really all you want to do is get to a show and watch it right so let's say you want to do the simple thing of changing inputs which is a pain in the ass and you and you don't necessarily have to do it because they have a bunch of these over the top things built into it but in fact the truth is i don't have any confidence that compared to Apple or Roku or Amazon, LG is going to have the number of services and packages and, you know, like this new Time Warner, you know, version of Hulu that we wrote about and everybody wrote about uh, today and yesterday. I don't know if that's going to show up on LG. That's certainly going to show up on Apple. It's certainly going to show up on Roku. It's certainly going to show up on Amazon. So, you're still going to have things plugged into it. So changing inputs. There's like a button on the remote that opens a menu that opens on the side instead of the bottom where the main menu is. And you have to learn how to use that. And then, but the bottom menu, which is controlled by a a home button, which is a (laughs) picture of a house on the remote, that's what you were talking about with the sort of diagonal, they're sort of thin diagonal card-looking things, that also lets you change inputs. And there's, I think, one other way to change inputs as well. There's like a little tiny icon that appears on the top of some screens. It's not clear which screens. And I spent more time reading that user guide. You know, they have a sort of light user guide, and they have a heavy, deep (laughs) user guide. And the user guide is also in the bottom menu. You know, I mean, it's like, it's not printed at all, by the way. It's yeah. It, it's on the screen, and but it's not interactive. That's the interesting thing. There's a lots of dense type on the screen when you're reading it, <laughs> but it doesn't let you actually try. You know, click here and you'll see what we mean. That's not a part of it. Occasionally, a static picture of the bean bird appears explaining a feature, <laughs> but only occasionally. Oh, in a little thought balloon, and you know if this person on Twitter is right. This is the height of wonderfulness in TV UI. Well, Um, so it's interesting. I mean, we're at a moment kind of in the TV world where everything is moving to streaming in one of these services. You can, you can just see the trend lines going. There is a great piece in the wall street journal. uh, I believe it was last week about Apple's attempts to get a streaming deal and Eddie Q showing up to Time Warner cable meetings, or I'm sorry, Time Warner meetings um, in flip-flops and a Hawaiian shirt and, you know, and Brian Roberts asking to see a picture of the interface, even just draw it on a napkin and Apple executives replied, don't worry, it'll be great, but you can't see it. I mean, literally the energy in this industry is how do we get everybody into a streaming service on one of these set-top boxes? And so in your column, you wrote, well, we still ended up using the Apple TV and a Roku because that's yeah. – and your cable box, right? Yeah, which because, is a TiVo, by the way, not not the regular cable box. Right, but that's where the stuff is. It's The stuff is still uh, on these that, services that's and that's exactly where the right. action is. So all of the stuff that's built into the TV, it's never going to move as quickly as the action on the Roku Absolutely, the you're, you're absolutely right. And by the way, because I, I wound up both curious – because I had just spent money on a new TV and writing a column about it, I tried all of it, all the one, all the built-in ones. They worked. I looked at the store. I didn't see much that interested me, but the the streaming things worked. I mean, Netflix looked pretty much like Netflix, you know, and yeah. Hulu looked pretty much like Hulu, and YouTube looked pretty much like YouTube. But the, but the point is, in the end, I think the best thing that LG's TV division and Samsung's TV division and Sony's TV division should be do, should do is make me a great plain basically a monitor a screen and they can make a set-top box if they want to compete with Roku and 
Amazon and Apple and, you know, whoever else is in there. I'm sure I'm forgetting other people. Roku, uh, well, I mentioned Roku. They they can compete with that uh, or they can do a casting type solution like Google has chosen to do. Well, so, I mean, so this is Vizio. Vizio pulled all of the stuff off of their TV. No more apps, no more interface, no more whatever. And they said, it's just a Chromecast monitor. But, and you know, people can argue, and argue back and forth, Vizio makes LCD TVs and OLED is something, you know, it's like they, a lot of people think the OLED TV looks better. So if you want the best picture quality, you end up saddled with all this other stuff you might not want. Right. They can't, I mean, I can't tell you how much stuff is jammed in there. I'm not, you can buy a, there's a camera <laughs> icon there. Honestly, I kept yeah. looking. Where's the camera? I don't see a camera here. Oh, I have a Panasonic TV with a, a camera. Yes, yeah, I know there are I have some the TVs last, with camera. I have the last Panasonic Plasma ever made, the VT60, which yeah. is a beautiful TV. They bought Pioneer's Division, so like the last one ever made. It's a it's a monument in my home to failed technology. But yes, yeah. when you boot it up, it displays a bar. It displays a menu bar, basically. And if you click the video conferencing icon because you have to use their proprietary video conferencing app, of course. Uh, literally, a spring Which release. Which must be a, wonderful. I'm and a, sure. a camera pops up out of the TV, and it's like, why? Just, yeah. Why didn't you save me the $50 on this nonsense? Well, there was a camera icon, which when you clicked it, said, oh, you need to buy a camera. <laughs> uh, and, you know, there was some language, uh, may, or maybe it was on the website where I found it, because it was confusing, that you had to go buy this special LG camera and somehow attach it to the TV. And I just stopped there. But, yeah. I mean, th- this row of thing goes on, stuff at the bottom goes on for miles. And there's no attempt to distinguish, well, I shouldn't say no attempt. There's a very limited attempt to distinguish between what matters and what's trivial. I mean, you get to edit it, you get to move the things around. If you even notice the pencil at the, uh, the square with the pencil at the very end, I don't know how many average people are going to bother with this and look for that pencil and get it and figure <laughs> out they can move things around, you know. And and the house button also in faint gray underneath says recent. Oh, my God. And what that means is if you hold it down for three seconds, instead of showing the home menu, it shows a recent menu. That took a little figuring out. That uh, that wasn't obvious. So it's just a, you know, I, I tweeted uh, uh, recently, uh, like just shortly before we did this, that the picture was really clear and the U- controls and settings were really opaque. So we got to talk about this picture. So, yeah. So this, now let's get to the picture. So let's get into it. So I'm reading Walt's <laughs> column. I get I get the first draft, and I'm reading, reading, reading. And Walt says, there's a great feature. You know, I love this TV. It's a beautiful panel. And this, but it is a beautiful panel. A great picture. And like Walt said, all the other stuff is secondary because you're probably going to plug another box into it anyway. So you don't need this garbage. It just has to be a beautiful picture. And Walt has a line. It made, it made certain old TV shows look like a stage play. I believe that's the line you used. Yeah. And this literally red alarm in my mind, smoke coming out of the walls. Uh, <laughs> th- that look, which most people call the soap opera effect, is what, I, I shit you not, one of the most controversial things that flat panel TVs do. Just down the line. Uh, and the really quick boring technical explanation is flat panel TVs can, they run at a higher refresh rate. They run at 240 hertz a lot of the times. They can interpolate frames from 30 frames. Just listen to me. And they add in frames. So they they go, they, they increase the frame rate of the source material. This sounds boring, but it makes things look like video. It makes film look like video, which is why they call it the soap opera effect. Movies are shot on film, soap operas are shot on video. You add in the motion, you make film look like video. You literally change the, the picture away from what the creator intended. Some people love this. Walt clearly likes it. Some people, listen to me, passionately hate it. It is awful. It is bad. If you look online about the soap opera effect, you see people arguing back and forth. I have argued. I've met the CTOs and product people from every TV company. Why is this thing on? People like it in the store. 
Why are your brightness settings all jacked up? Why don't you sell this thing calibrated to show the best picture? Well, we got to sell the TVs in the stores and in the stores brightest wins. So you're buying a product that is not calibrated to look great in your home. You're buying a product that is designed to stand out in the awful viewing conditions of a Best Buy next to 10,000 other TVs. This is a like I can't even begin to describe how nonsense this is. But the real problem, and this is what Walt and I were arguing about yesterday cuz Walt is making snoring noises while I talk about this. <laughs> Whatever. It doesn't if you buy the TV and you like the way it looks and you're happy, Godspeed, right? If you buy the TV and you don't like the way it looks and you want to change it, it's really hard. Because the TV yeah. is not going to tell you what to do. And this is where, after much Google Doc melting <laughs> down, we came to a unified point of view, which is there is a controversy about this. Neil and I do not agree on the, on this particular point, uh, although I have something to say about that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, but if you don't like it um, – this motion smoothing thing, which LG calls true motion, which makes it even harder to find. Even if you somehow read an article uh, warning you when you were doing your research about this, that these TVs typically come with this turned on, and you were armed with the knowledge that this thing was called motion smoothing, even yeah. if you didn't know the rest of the techie stuff Neli said, but you just knew it was called motion smoothing. You can't find that on any menu in this LG TV. Yeah, LG calls it true motion. True motion. Samsung in calls fact, it auto said, motion plus, and Vizio it, calls it smooth motion. In the middle of all this editing and back and forth, I went into the menus on the TV, you know, with the laptop on my lap, you know, typing back and forth with Neli, and I went into the menus on the TV looking, and I said to him, there's no motion smoothing here. <laughs> and on their and on their website and in their literature that they PR people at LG sent me at my request cuz uh, I just they didn't know I was going to write this review till I told them. It, it wasn't like, "Oh my god, it has true motion and you'll love it." And it's one it wasn't even mentioned, none of it. So you have to figure out the true motion and there was one other there was like MPEG true motion or something like that. There were a couple of them and they were very, were not Beanbird did not show up to help you out. No. And they were not high up in the in the menu and they were yeah, I mean I mean maybe I cut off the Beanbird setup process early. <laughs> no, they, this is hidden. Because there is no way to get back to the setup process on this TV, by the way. But oh, really? Well, I mean that you can go to you can change any setting, but you can't walk through the sort of wizard, the Beanbird wizard setup. So um it, I can tell you that you had to really scroll down the picture options, the pi menu, the the picture menu, way down. And it's not in the shortcut uh, settings, which are like, you know, the different tones of the screen yeah. and all that. It's not there. It's way down in a menu and you find it. But now, what I, what I was going to say is I, I, I went and experimented with this because – Neli was having a breakdown, and I it's just awful. Went, and if you I have just, this on your TV, stop listening to podcasts and go turn it off. That's <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying. To you. So I went and turned it off, yeah. and then I went and fired up uh, one of the programs that we had thought looked really interesting, and we liked the effect. It happened to be the West Wing, uh, the Aaron Sorkin, the great Aaron Sorkin series, which which won I don't know twenty. Well, we you, we got to get you to do a West Wing podcast as well. Yeah, we should. Yeah. Uh, there is a West Wing podcast. It's very good. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing. Aaron Sorkin happens to be a playwright primarily. And while he has written award-winning television, he wrote, you know, A Few Good Men. He wrote The American President. He's written movies. He's written The Social Network, we all know, the Steve Jobs movie. There's a certain playwright quality to him. So – when you see the West Wing characters delivering dialogue, it really – it's kind of set up so that if suddenly your TV made it look like a play, you're like, whoa, this is kind of interesting. And it may be that – I've only owned this for a few days and we've watched not just that show. We've watched other shows on it and enjoyed it with this setting on and uh, we think it's fine. When I turn the setting off – 
just to make sure Neil I didn't have a heart attack. <laughs> um, I actually didn't see much difference, to be honest. Some people do and some people don't. And, I mean, they, and I will say for LG that while they have hidden this, it's very granular. There's some of these settings, uh, there are like five choices, five yeah. types of this motion. The one that was set on, and, and by the way, it wasn't set on high brightness by default, this particular set. But uh, but in terms of this motion smoothing, this true motion, I think it was set on a setting called clear, which was somewhere in the middle of the list. Don't, there, some LG persons listening to this and can correct us, but I think it's in the middle of the list and it was called clear. There was no explanation what clear means. <laughs> yeah, of course not. And, uh, you know, there were, I forgot the rest of the words. There were, you know, some that seemed, there was off. And then yeah. there were a couple of And there's more like high that, and there's a dynamic. So here's the no, thing. No, those are different. Those are like the kind of the. Well, every TV is different. My Panasonic has a whole bunch of different ones. Right. But those weren't under motion smoothing. Those weren't under like vivid and the HDR, HDR, which is the new buzzword in TVs, which comes from cameras, high, high dynamic range. That's a different part of the whole settings system. Right. Um, in, on this TV, at least. Oh, so, we, can, we can walk down. There's a whole mess. There's a whole mess with HDR, too. But on this point, my my point is you buy the TV to have it display pictures to you, right? Pretty basic right. thing. Right. A fundamental characteristic of that, like choice that you should make as a consumer, an informed decision, how should things look on my expensive screen is Buried, hidden, taken away from you, sh shrouded in crazy marketing language, and basically made so unintuitive and unobvious. And if you're like me, and I am right, so I'm just going to say it, and you think that this should be turned off, the, the TV makes it seem like you're making the wrong choice by turning off a feature rather than turning on a picture adjustment. Yeah. So it's a dark pattern. It's It's... It's, most people shouldn't care about the Wi-Fi setup of their TV. They should plug in a box and use that box because box is probably going to be better no matter what the box. They should care about how things look. And we are very used to our displays striving for accuracy, right? You buy a laptop, you want the display to be accurate. You buy a phone, you assume, you know, when we review phones, we talk about how bright the colors are, how saturated. OLED screens are more saturated than LCD screens. The iPhone, the iPad screen is, you know, true tone screen. It's like looking at the colors and adjusting the light. You buy the biggest, most expensive screen in your life, a TV, and it's just set to bonkers town without any way of you knowing how to get it back to something that is right. accurate. And that is, that's the mess. They've put all the effort into the part of the experience that you are better off outsourcing to the Apple TV or the Roku or your Xbox or your PlayStation or whatever the hell it is. And none of the effort in helping you actually get your money's worth out of that panel. And I, that is the, I think, the confusion in the industry. They don't so, know what. So you, would, what you wouldn't we, buy expensive speakers that advertise that come out of the box and sound completely wrong. But it right? has. It goes all as you pointed out earlier. It goes all the way back to the way TVs are sold. Yeah. TVs are big and bulky items that yes, people do buy them online, but they're not nearly as amenable to online purchasing as a small thing like a Galaxy or an iPhone and or a Mr. Coffee or something. I mean, they're huge. When the Pioneer Elite came 10 years ago, it, it actually came, if I remember, I may be wrong about this, but I think it came in a box that was at least partly made of wood, like a crate. Yes. I, yeah, same. Yeah. Oh, I have a note here. I've got to ask you about the vision. That was the vision. TV. My vision was remembering when that giant thing arrived and the look on Edie, my wife's face, that this giant thing was invading the house <laughs> uh, with a wood crate thing. And, you know, it with the setup of it, even just carrying it, you need it was a two person carry, the Pioneer TV. It couldn't be a one person carry uh, unless you were really super big and strong, weighed a lot of a lot. The new, this LG OLED TV, is a, you can carry it uh, with one person, and it came in a cardboard box with a lot of styrofoam. 
Um, still a, a very large. I mean, I bought a 55-inch. The Pioneer had been the, – the plasma had been 50 inches. And interestingly, the new, the new uh, sets, because they have no bezels, are actually – in my case, it took up less – Side-to-side yep. room with a bigger screen. And they're thinner. They're way thinner. And so way, way the, – immen- the volume is way smaller. Immensely thinner. Uh, so, um, yeah, that was the vision I had of the day the, 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 the Pioneer came. What happened was I went to review HDTVs. I got Steve Jobs. Everybody told me this Pioneer Elite was the best. So I called Pioneer. They sent me this TV for as an eval unit, and I liked it so much I wound up buying it. Uh, uh, or either that or I didn't want to pack it up again. Um, <laughs> it cost, I think the list price was five grand. Uh, yeah. I paid about 2800 for this LG, um, which is arguably, I mean, you know, it's the state of the art right now. It's the state of the art. In picture. Yeah. In picture, how should we put it? Picture potential. It's the state of the art. But in... UI, it's horrific. And the, by the way, the Pioneer didn't have a great UI, but it was 2006. And yeah, how so, often did you go to the menu in that? Right. Well, I don't know. Not very often. The did Pioneer they... had all kind of crazy stuff in it. It had like it. You could, if you were so inclined, uh, like stream music to it. But nobody ever did that stuff. Yes. they were just buying right. a picture. It had a it had a USB. This, by the way, you could do the same thing on the LG. Because of course. And, anyway, and, let's, let's and there is, and they have two USB ports, and they and and here, here's the here's an incredible thing. I went to the music note icon <laughs> in the giant home menu that never ends at the bottom of the screen, and you know what it found? It found my Sonos. Yeah, it's really it's crazy. But it how- can't control my Sonos. Maybe yeah. there's an app that can, maybe I don't think Sonos makes an app that runs on on no, WebOS, but it, it showed playlists or groups of music on my Sonos, just like three or four of them. And of course, clicking on them did nothing. <laughs> so why was it there and why was it finding it? Why? Because it was on the same Wi-Fi network. Yeah. It was crazy. We, we're going to take a quick break for an ad. Then I want to talk about that Pioneer TV. And I want to talk about 4K a little bit. And I want to talk about HDR a little bit because it, it, it's all it's all one big circle. So we'll be right, right. back. Control-Alt-Delete is supported by City Cards with Android Pay. How cool is it that we live in a world where you can use the same device to listen to Control-Alt-Delete and buy your morning coffee, groceries, and more? And did I mention it's a super fast way to pay? Just use your City Card with Android Pay at the register. Get in, get it, get going. Download the Android Pay app on Google Play or visit city.com slash Android Pay to get started. Android Pay is available for eligible City consumer credit and debit cards. And we're back. Look at that. That was so fast, that ad. Uh, what a great ad. The person reading it. It was a fantastic ad. Just the best. Uh, so I've got Walt. Walt doesn't write about TV a lot, as he said. Uh, and it's real. It's actually, I will say this, it's very hard to try to be on the news cycle with TV. Reviewing TVs, if you're good at it, this is a little inside tech journalism, if you, if you, you can build a business around doing nothing but reviewing TVs. It's just completely boring. Because every year the, t- the TVs come out at CES, they ship in June, and you're like, the picture got better, it got thinner, This buy this one. So yeah. there are plenty of sites, competitors of ours, who do an excellent job reviewing TVs. Uh, there are some excellent TV reviewers out there. There are sites like the Wirecutter that just say, buy this TV for $500, you'll be happy. And it's a tremendous service. TV sales are not really slowing. They're they're down a bit overall. The numbers I looked up in 2015, 43 million something flat panels sold in 2015. Uh, 4K TV sales are obviously like on the skyrocket, and overall they're kind of flat. So people are buying TVs as much as they ever did. But the sort of like rate of TV innovation ever since flat panels have come out. Flat panels were the big one. HDTV flat panels were... Yeah, that's right. They were the high, the TV industry, they were the drug. Sales skyrocketed. Then they crashed. And every year, and if you listen to Virtuast, you've heard me tell this story before, that was the high. You got rid of your bulky CRT TV, you got a thin, beautiful flat panel, and you got a bump in picture quality because of HDTV. Almost every year since, the TV industry has tried to juice sales with another gimmick. 3D. 
3D, 4K, whatever it is. Um, curved, curved TVs. Curved. And they're never, you know, the, nothing is as good as throwing away a CRT and getting an LCD. There's, right. there's nothing better than a, than going from big to small, and they can't. They, they're making them ever smaller, but that's where they are. So, 2006, sort of the, that's when the flat panel sort of curve really started lifting. They became super mainstream. I've got a column here from Walt. It's an incredible headline. November 2nd, 2006, Wall Street Journal, All Things D. Once you experience widescreen HDTVs, hassles seem small. I want to point out that one of the hassles Walt mentions in this column is having to buy entirely new furniture. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) To fit his new TV. Oh, my God. That was way more of a hassle for my wife than me. Because I... I would have put it on a cardboard, bo- on, a, on a, on a, you know, just a crate or something. Hassle seems small. Uh, this is a review, actually, of that um, 50-inch Pioneer Elite. Uh, ten years. So, literally, the TV that we, Walt replaced, lasted for ten years after this review. It was one of the best TVs you could buy at the time, but there was literally nothing happened in the TV space to make Walt consider replacing that television. Oh, absolutely not. I wouldn't have replaced as, it if it as didn't much die. As, they, as much as they tried. <laughs> But here's the thing that's going on. So I'm going to read from the review now. The big downside of HGTV in 2006, only a small fraction of programming is high definition. At 8 p.m. on Tuesday night this week, there were just 13 high definition programs available from Comcast out of more than 230 total. The on-demand service had a smattering of additional high definition shows and movies. So 10 years ago, you'd buy an HGTV and it would just have to scale... 480p SD content or 40i SD content to fit the screen, right? Right. This is, and it looked bad and it had bars. 10 years later, this is not a problem. Virtually everything is in at least HD. Yep. The, the major networks, 720p, 1080i, you know, you can argue about that. Um, and then you switch to the streaming side, everything is basically 1080p. And a lot of stuff now on Netflix in particular is starting ever so slowly to stream in 4K. Yeah, it's not a lot. I wouldn't say it's a lot, but it's starting. Yeah. It's, it's not a lot. Um, and that and that distribution problem is sort of getting shaken out. Well, you bought a 4K TV. We've been talking about this thing for 30, 32, 35 minutes. You haven't mentioned 4K once. I don't you think I watched anything that you was You bought 4K an HDR on. TV. You haven't mentioned, we, we talked about HDR only in the sense that there's a setting for it. Yeah. These are the two things that are that the TV industry thinks will drive the next wave uh, of purchases, right? 4K HDR. If you listen to TV makers, they say it looks so spectacular that when you see it, you're going to want to upgrade your TV. So I just point out, Walt reviewed a TV, did not mention those things at all, except to say <laughs> the TV is hard to use. Walt writes a follow-up column in 2006, seven days after his first TV column. And Walt, you were saying this column generated a ton of interest because it's really hard to buy a TV. So people start writing to Walt. They send him questions. He answers them. November 9, 2006, in a column called Choosing a High Definition TV, in response to a question about resolution, Walt writes... Unless you're a techie or a hardcore gamer or videophile, or you plan to use your HDTV mainly as a PC screen, I see no reason to spend a penny extra or wait a day more just to get a set capable of 1080p. If you like a set for other reasons and it happens to have 1080p capability, that's a bonus, but I wouldn't make 1080p a major criterion for choosing a set. So 10 years ago, Walt's saying, buy the best one you can afford that you like, don't worry about its resolution. 2016, we're reviewing a 4K HDR OLED screen. Uh, are you the single best display you can buy uh, in a television right now? And the resolution has not come into the picture once. It's it's kind of amazing. That's because no, who's you said it yourself? No, none of my, n- almost none of the sources that you watch are broadcasting. Well, first of all, most of them are broadcasting zero. Things in 4K. Yeah, no, no television <clears throat> from a cable no box television. over the airs in 4K. Yeah, no broadcast, no cable station. Nobody is using 4K. You're correct about Netflix, but even they are. The bulk of their stuff is not 4K. It's mostly uh, their original stuff. So yeah, um, and I believe Breaking Bad was shot in 4K. That's from AMC. But then House of Cards. There's some other stuff. Narcos, I think, is in 4K. There's most of the big Netflix prestige drama stuff is in 4K. But I also have to say that at the distance, you've heard this for many years, and it's I, I'm going to not 
use the specific numbers because I don't remember them. But at the distance that most people, uh, where most people sit vis-a-vis their TV, it is very hard to tell the difference on a set smaller than, I don't know, 70 or 80 inches between 4K and HD. Yeah. So it is. It is. And I have stood and you have stood. I don't know if we did it together, but um, I don't think we did. But you and I have stood in uh, multiple times at CES and looked at – because the TV makers say, look, here's HD – Here's 4K or UHD, which yep. is the other name for it, or Samsung and so on calling it SUHD, which just means Samsung's version <laughs> of UHD. Uh, and they say, look, ha- this half of this picture of this waterfall is just merely HD, which, you know, five years before was like orgasmic, right? And this other half is 4K. And honestly, even though it's a specially done video, stream that's just meant to show this off as fantastic and eh, you know it doesn't look that different to me well that goes that goes to you know your first note nothing is available in hd but the tv's so good and it's you got to buy it right it it makes the hassle of new furniture seem small but i right. think a lot of that is due to the fact that crts were big and bulky and when you bought a flat panel tv they tended to be much bigger volume wise so you got a bigger screen in sort of the same amount of space even though it was a different aspect ratio um and they were like a stunning piece of technology at the time they were a, a, a trophy oh right? absolutely like, h in fact it, it, i've said this before but hdtv is the only giant technological leap in the sort of post 1970s era that i can think of that was actually introduced at the Consumer Electronics Show. Yeah. I and, mean, and, and it was a nothing, spectacular Nothing else picture. we use. Nothing else we use. You know, not not the iPhone or the Android, the MacBook Air or the Surface tablet or any of those things was introduced at the Consumer Electronics Show. But HDTV was. You know, there's a, there's a parallel here because WebOS was introduced at the Consumer Electronics <laughs> Show. Yeah. In a keynote, yeah, right. <laughs> and that went well. Um, the Motorola Atrix was introduced. No, nope, that's not good either. Uh, there's so much stuff over the years of that show. But that show was a TV show. I mean, it still is. Yes, it's still the that's bulk right. of that show is big TVs everywhere. That's right. And the industry, and I think I wrote a piece at this year's CES where you know my thesis was this was always a TV show, and the whole goal of CES was to take the computer industry and mash it into the TV industry and do something called convergence. Um, And so Microsoft every year would be there and Bill Gates would be like, you can talk to your house. Oh my God, I remember those. Everything will light up. And that just never happened. They spent like half a million dollars to produce those videos he showed. (laughs) And none of it ever came true, really. But but it did come true just in the opposite direction. We we, we got Vista. We got Vista. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but no, it came true. All the TV stuff left the TV and came to the computer. Yeah. No, right? that's so now right. every screen in your house is getting TV programming. You're getting it on your phone, on your laptop, on your tablet. And the TV itself is in this dead zone of innovation where people keep trying to invent some new TV thing and keep kind of striking out. I mean, even the, the Apple TV is a good example. So... It's interesting that it's not 4K. It's interesting that there are these reports of, you know, Apple executives trying to get a streaming service to make the TV thing. They're, it's inter- you know, they're saying apps are the future and they're sort of waiting for the networks to come to them. It's the same with Roku. It's the same, you know, we have talked about TiVo on the show at length. So many people have tried to put computers on or around TVs. But if you look at it now from the lens of where the content is going, those things are secondary devices. And your phone, your tablet, your laptop are the primary devices in your home, which 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 2006, when you're writing about this TV, it if I walked out to someone and said, you have $5,000, do you want to buy the best TV in the world or are you going to buy five iPads? Yeah. I can't think of anybody who wouldn't pick the five iPads. Right. And I think that whole shift 
is which, the which would to have been very valuable in 2006. Five iPads in 2006, <laughs> yeah. when they didn't exist, would have been amazing. What an amazing thing! Yeah, no, I'm just saying. In 2006, when you spent money on consumer electronics, what you thought of was a television. Yeah, maybe you thought of a desktop computer. Um, you certainly did not think of all this port, these portable screens that like. No, no, you're absolutely there. right. You're you're absolutely right. I, but uh, you know, w- looking at here's WebOS, which I liked on the Palm phones. And it's on this TV. I didn't buy it because it was WebOS, although it was a little bit of my decision because I remember at CES thinking, oh, they've put WebOS on this. That's kind <laughs> of smart. And um, uh, But here it is. In fact, when it boots up, it says WebOS. And uh, here's this ridiculous menu and, and, and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, get this stuff off the TV. <laughs> get this. This is a big panel. I'm going to spend a lot of time watching Roku or Apple TV on it. Actually, I had uh, an email today from a newly installed PR person at a company that makes yet another box wondering I did, why I didn't mention that. You get those all the time, you know. And I said because it wasn't really about that. But, you know, whatever you want to use – that's what you're going to use on there and get it off the TV. Just focus on making the TV great, which is mainly the screen and display, but also how is it set and how can I change how it's set and think it through it as a, a device with a mission, not a hundred missions, one mission and making it clean and clear and easy to deal with. I mean, we can bitch all we want and go into the nitty-gritty little details of the setting screen on Android versus iOS, but they're not hard to u- that hard to use. They're pretty clear. You can search them. You know, they're there. And by the way, you don't have to use them a whole lot. I mean, it's not like you, you open the box and your iPhone is set to some setting that hurts your eyes. It's just not. Yeah, know? they don't have motion smoothing on the iPhone. <laughs> they don't, apparently. Because Apple has taste. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even Samsung. Samsung sells phones. They sell TVs. They're so motion smoothing on a Samsung phone. Right. The smart engineers work over there. Sorry. Well, <laughs> it's probably not an exciting thing if you're an engineer to say, <laughs> I, I would like to work in the TV division. Unless, you know, whatever, whatever we'll eventually learn. We've learned a lot. As you pointed out, the journal had a very good article about Apple's efforts to get a TV service going. Interestingly, they kind of melded that with their efforts to do a TV or a box, yeah. a, a different, a super duper version of the Apple TV, which was, I, you know, I'll, I'll tell, I'll do what I do sometimes on this podcast. I'll tell a little Steve Jobs story. So Steve Jobs stepped down, his health was failing very badly. And he stepped down as chairman or CEO, I'm sorry, and he became executive chairman or something of Apple. Actually, six weeks later, he was gone. But the, the, and so I'm sitting on my laptop, you know, maddening, madly banging out a piece, an essay that the journal can run about Jobs leaving as CEO of Apple. And the, and my iPhone rings and it's Jobs. And he's, I mean, on the one hand, I'm saying, oh, this is good. I can get, you know, some info. <laughs> on the other hand, I'm saying, fuck, he's, you know, screwing up my deadline. And um, he starts talking to me. I had not called him, by the way. I was just writing a kind of appreciation thing, you know, just trying to list all the all the products, all the things he had done. Not, it was not personal. It was bu- about his business career. And uh, But he calls me and he says, I, I want you to know I'm going to remain involved I'm going to focus on TV. Uh, you, you know uh, we've been working on it. I think it can be completely reinvented. And what he meant was the TV itself as a device. But he might, he might have had the service in mind too, but they had an idea to reinvent the device. And he said, I think we've got a pretty it, – it, it, we're almost there. And in like two or three months, I'd love for you to come out and look at it. I said, great, thanks. You know, we talked some more about a few other things. And, and then he, but he was gone six weeks later. And I, I don't know what their concept of a TV was. I don't know to this day. You know, I think 
the Isaacson biography ends on the same note, right? He's going to figure it out. That hung over Apple for at least two years. Yeah. That at the end, Jobs is talking about TV. And Tim Cook talked about it for a year. You know, if you look at the TV, the disruption hasn't come to it. There's so many right. ideas there. And then nothing happened, and they put out the watch. Yeah, I think if he had been healthy, uh, that would have been their big pivot. And the, he would have had to decide. E- either he would have taken over the negotiations personally, which he did with music, and convinced some of the content creators to do something with them, which you know Eddie Q hasn't been able to do, not knocking Eddie, but hasn't been able to do. Uh, Steve had a certain persuasiveness about him uh, or failing that they would have had to decide okay are we going to bring out something that is just going to act and operate differently than say this LG I just bought and I don't know what that would have been but um, he certainly was right that it's as we've said all through this podcast in talking about the UI it's low-hanging fruit and uh, you know this is Roku's idea right I mean Roku is saying yeah. We figured out the UI for our box. Now we just have a few Chinese TV makers who are building it into the TV. And that's a good – that's an interesting path to take. Well, so I think – so I the, the way I think about it is the input problem, right? Apple can put out a great TV and it works great. And if the first thing you do is plug a cable box into it and use Comcast UI or Roku's – or um, TiVo's UI – Apple hasn't sold you a goddamn thing, right? Yeah. They, none of their work goes for anything. They get none of the value out of the interface or, heaven forbid, putting ads in the interface or a new way to search and discover content, whatever. You're still just using Comcast UI. So they need the content to be there in a way that they can control so they can build a UI around the content so the primary way you're using your TV is And that's Apple's why interface. they were going for the service. And, and, so and they the really wanted to, to be your cable box. I mean, yeah. it, it was the flip of TiVo, which we talked about before and not many people own and has been sold. I don't know what's going to happen to it. But TiVo was a cable box that eventually added streaming services, except nobody knows that and nobody buys it. Um, Apple TV would have grown into, you know, from a thing with streaming services into also being your cable box. Until the point when cable didn't matter and everything streamed anyway, which is coming upon us, but not within a matter of months. But the content is totally fragmented, right? To yeah, to to watch. I mean, this, yeah, and so, this is why- so I'm sure Apple's master plan was to unfragment it, Appleize it. You know, people would have complained. I can only I have to buy an Apple branded thing to get this, but they would have not cared. They would have just said, "This is." And by the way, it talks to your Mac and whatever. You know, it does does all this stuff. But I think this comes to the 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 heart of the TV problem, which is you have to beat Comcast, right? You you have to deliver enough content so that people don't want to plug in a cable box, or if you're trying to serve the cord cutter market, you have to have enough clout to get all of the apps and services in a smart place such that nobody ever switches inputs. Even then, they're still going to switch inputs because they're going to want to play Xbox or PlayStation or something. Yeah. So the classic Apple vertically integrated device instantly breaks down because Apple doesn't have the PlayStation. And as long as people want to play PlayStation, you, you end up with a second interface on your screen. I agree. But maybe... At the very least, uh, and and again, I never got to see this because he passed away, but maybe they were going to get rid of the whole – they're going to make the whole switching input thing easy by by doing – I mean there is a standard in the industry. What's it called? HDMI CEC. CEC, yeah. I have – that's also on the LG and it also (laughs) only works partially well. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, it, might, it might be the single most broken industry standard. Yeah, it's exists. awful. Well, suppose Apple did a – even if it was proprietary, which I know is shocking with Apple, but suppose they did it so that really the minute you picked up your PlayStation controller or your DVD, if you still had a DVD or whatever else you had plugged in the TV, Blu-ray player thing, um, it would just switch. Yeah. It would just switch. 
there would be no – I mean the, the LG, you know, you hit a little – there's six ways to do it. But, you know, you, you get a little line on the side of the TV of what the different things are. You can name the different HDMI inputs. Yeah. And you can click and go to them and, you know. It's funny. We've, we're coming up – we're at an hour – and the list of complicated TV things we have not talked about is so long. So oh, we yeah. haven't talked about uh, – well, we, we just barely talked about CEC, which is a standard of control. We haven't talked about the problem with universal remotes uh, and why oh, – yeah. this magic remote. Yeah, that thing's a mess. Can, we haven't it, talked it about IR mess. blasters, which Vergecast listeners know. We, we, haven't talked about, we haven't talked about voice control. We haven't talked I about mean, voice control. We I haven't mean, talked about HDR, which yeah, right. is in, literally in the middle of a hyper-contentious format war. Uh, right. And by the way, the LG supports both. Yeah. So some of them support both. I think it's uh, the only set that supports both. That uh, could be the Vizio's wrong. just got an update to support both. Okay. But it supports uh, both. But there's Dolby. One is open and one is owned by Dolby. Yeah. There's Dolby Vision and there's HDR10 and... I mean, literally, that's an hour of the nerdiest podcast in the world. About yeah, why they're different? I, I won't we, be here for that. We one, haven't yeah. talked about audio. We haven't like literally. We just did an hour on flat panel TVs and how they work and why they work the way they do. And we didn't talk about speakers and how you listen to them and how they connect to surround systems and all of this stuff. Yeah, uh, we haven't really talked about. We've talked about streaming boxes. We haven't really talked about how you get stuff on these TVs. And there's a lot of ways to get stuff on these TVs. I mean, just literally the list goes on. We haven't talked about like streaming video compression, which you can take a $2,800 TV and put Netflix on a bad connection and look at digital blocks all day long. Like just days of stuff, problems in this industry. It's a it's a hot mess, as it we is, say. It is. I, in my mind, this is... There's Don Quixote in the windmill, and the tech industry is Don Quixote, and the living room and the television set is the windmill it has been tilting at for decades. And it and is. You, and you just called it the television set, which is, to me, it sounds like the crystal radio. Yeah. You know, the television. Ma, the, the yeah. television set's here. Right. Uh, but well, Ma, I'm going out to get a new tube for the TV set. <laughs> yeah, the knobs are broken. I mean, it's still that, right? You're still fiddling with it and shaking those rabbit ears to try to make it work. Yeah. And it's still that sense of it's magic. Like, did it all? Did all the stars align so that when I push the button on this remote, it all lights up and works? And it's just every, to me, in my mind... TVs and audio, that's like the reason I became a nerd. You know, like that was the stuff I loved tinkering with when I was a kid. And then computers got distracting and more interesting. But there's something so troublesome with this part of the industry that I don't know if anyone will ever solve it. Like the TVs have gotten thinner. They've gotten more beautiful. The content has gotten more expansive. There's more stuff to watch than ever before. But it's gotten so much more complex in this space that everyone is just watching shit on their laptops. Like there are many members of the Verge staff who do not own a TV and they watch everything on their laptop. I'm sure we have listeners who watch everything on a tablet or a laptop. So I've, I may have said this before on the podcast, but I've I've literally sat on my back porch on a nice day, ten feet from the the Pioneer, and you know, yeah. which had a beautiful picture, fifty inch picture, and watched a, a ball game or whatever I was watching on my 9.7-inch iPad. You know what your iPad didn't have is motion smoothing. No, and with it that, didn't. I think it's time to wrap up our show. Uh, that's it. That's our show. Thank you for listening. I, I really cannot emphasize the motion smoothing point enough. There's so much else. I, you know, our producer, Andrew Marino, yeah. who we ought to give a shout-out to anyway, yeah. uh, he, he got a little worried. He slacked me earlier after I tweeted that we were going to do this in motion smoothing this week and that I tweeted that you were going to sound like Winston Churchill and he, he it wasn't a slack it was he tweeted and said I guess I have a lot of work this week and I, I said big work big job yeah, and we're not even going to tell you what the setting's called. We're going to put my voice in, in <laughs> Auto Motion Smooth Plus. It's going to be great. Anyway, tweet at us. We love hearing from you. I'm sure you have thoughts about this this topic. Uh, I'm at Reckless. Walt is at Walt Mossberg. We love, like I said, quickest way to get uh, to hear from one of us or get a like is tweet at us, especially if you tweet us an intro for the show, which is my favorite thing to see in my Twitter. I love uh, that, yeah. You can leave us 
the right amount of stars in iTunes, which we also appreciate very much. That's five stars, in it's case five. you didn't know. Five is the correct number of yeah. stars. Way uh, fewer other... than the number of choices on the menu <laughs> on the yeah. LG. Yeah, open just the five. web browser on your there LG TV. There are only five stars. Just click them. Navigate to iTunes and figure it out. Figure out the ignore the rest of iTunes, which is also a mess. But just five stars on this. Uh, and then there's so much other stuff to listen to. We got the Vergecast comes out on Fridays. I host the Mr. Robot Digital After Show with Emily and Russell, uh, actually, which will be live Wednesday night. So right after this, I'm going to that. Um, so watch Mr. Robot, watch the After Show, which is on Facebook Live and on the website. Uh, Emily and That's Liz. actually on TV, by the way. It's actually. Figure yeah. out how to watch that on TV. Can I watch that on my TV. LG, do you think? I'm going to watch it with motions moving on. I will say this. Mr. Robot is one of the hardest shows to stream ever. It's Because it's only on Amazon On Demand. So buy cable, watch Mr. Robot, then go on your laptop. I know, but should I use motion smoothing for your after show? No. Just, just please, please turn it off. Just do me this favor, <laughs> this one favor. All right. Uh, anyhow, Emily and Liz host for GSP. Just wonderful. Chris Plant hosts uh, What's Tech. Lauren Good on the Recode side uh, has Too Embarrassed to Ask, which is great. And actually, she wants me on to talk about TV soon. So I love good. this conversation. Get ready for that one. Kara Swisher has Recode Decode. And Peter Kafka has Recode Media. All great shows. Listen to them all through Go on your LG TV, figure out the Sonos integration, <laughs> listen to everything all day long. Uh, <laughs> but that's it. I hope you were entertained i hope you you learned something about motion smoothing which you should again remind you you should turn off and we'll see you next week next week next week